Welcome back inside another episode of the Big Easy in the Big Apple Podcast. It's your host, Chris Wazvoglu. And once again, um, I've been going through these NFL draft prospects and position groups for the Saints. I'm going to break it down each one and try and get a guest on for you guys each time. And uh, hopefully I can stay true to that promise. And if you haven't watched uh, or excuse me, listened to the Steven Montez interview, the Colorado quarterback, um, who right now is about a mid-round selection. I suggest you guys listen to it. A lot of you guys have already have, and I, I thank you for that. But um, if you haven't, go check it out. Some good stuff there from uh, Montez. And he had a really good attitude about a lot of the questions. Even asked him uh, how he would feel uh, sitting behind Drew Brees for a year if that hypothetical scenario comes true. Um, and for this episode, it's going to be strictly on linebackers. Which linebackers for the Saints should stay, which should go, which might leave in free agency, which free agents the Saints might want to bring in, and look ahead at the draft class as well because there's some intriguing prospects um, from this group uh, that I'll get to in a little bit. And also an interview with Purdue linebacker Marcus Bailey who, if you haven't watched him, go check out his tape. And the problem here is you're going to have to check out his 2018 tape. And the only reason because that is unfortunately Marcus suffered an ACL injury um, last season. So he missed almost all of the season for Purdue. But if you go back to his 2018 season, we're talking about a dude who finished with 115 tackles, six and a half sacks, an interception. He was an absolute machine. His football IQ off the charts, uh, good in coverage, a good run stopper, and a really good pass rusher as well for a linebacker. And, and I know um, that a lot of you guys praised Demario Davis for, for being great on the pass rush as well and, and getting in there on blitz situations. You know, we've seen Marcus do that with Purdue. Um, so I really like that attribute that he has there. But overall, a skilled linebacker, and a really smart guy. Um, and that interview will come up in the second half of the show. And I hope you guys uh, enjoy that one as well. Um, but let's talk about the Saints linebacking core and who's going to stay. And for starters, we know who's going to be there. It's going to be Demario Davis, who is the heart and soul of that linebacking group. He's going to be in his third and final year of his contract. And I'm going to just say it from now. The Saints got to get a new extension in here at some point. DeMario is so good. He is one of the best linebackers in football. And now that Luke Keekley retired, I think a strong argument can be made for the casual fan now that DeMario Davis is arguably the best linebacker, if not the second best, to maybe Bobby Wagner in the NFL. The casual fan, unfortunately, has not learned enough about a guy like DeMario Davis, but there's a reason he was on all-pro team. There's a reason that guy's... Um, love him around the league, and everyone hypes him up. He's such a good player. He's dynamic. So you have him back for next season. Who's going to be next to him is the question because you have A.J. Klein, who's going to be a free agent, and then you got Kiko Alonso, whose price tag is a little too hefty right now. So I think you have to, if you bring Kiko back, it has to be on a uh, reduced salary. You also got to take into consideration he suffered another ACL injury. I believe that's his second torn ACL in his career. He, we got to figure out over there what's going to happen. So I think let's leave them off to the side. Who will be back with Demario Davis? I think you have to bank on Alex Anzalone being back, but you cannot bank on how many games he's going to play because Anzalone, unfortunately, for as versatile and talented as he is, is also very injury prone. 
And we've seen over the last couple of years, whether it's a shoulder injury here, an arm injury there, they can't depend on Anzalone to play a significant amount of games. Now, in a contract year, could that change? Maybe, but it's not a motivational factor. It's just bad luck. Anzalone plays extremely hard, and when he's on the field, he's a game changer. The question is, when is he going to be on the field? But regardless, he will be on the Saints next year. You can count on that. And hopefully, in a contract year, he plays close to 16 games. If you get 12 out of him, you take it because he's really so athletic. And it's hard to find linebackers in the middle that can do that. So I'm a big Anzalone fan. I know you guys are too. It is frustrating. I totally get that. But maybe next year is uh, the, the season for him where he breaks through and stays healthy. Another linebacker who will be with the Saints next year, Caden Ellis. Now, this is a guy who a lot of people aren't sure about yet because he's unproven. But the Saints have big plans for him, and he's a talented kid out of Idaho. They thought when Anzalone went down, we'd start to see a little bit more Caden Ellis on special teams and then eventually work his way into a decent role on defense. And then he went down with an ACL injury, which if you've seen the trend here, ACL injuries killing the Saints right now, killing Caden Ellis. It got to uh, um, Kiko Alonso, and then he got Anzalone with shoulder issues. So it's, it's obviously a big problem here. Um, but Caden Ellis will be back for next season on a very cheap rookie contract, so you don't have to worry there. Craig Robertson expected to be back, but I'm just going to say this, and I'm pretty sure everyone could agree with me. Craig Robertson, really nice guy, really good leader, really good special teams player, and he's a guy where you need for the locker room because he's, he's a glue guy. You stick him in there, let him work with youngsters, and they learn how to act like a pro. But no one wants to see him in on third downs. No one wants to see him being coverage. And there's not much right now in terms of defense where Craig's going to come in and you're going to be like, all right, I trust Craig to make the play. Still want him on the Saints, still a heck of a leader, but that's a question mark. So it comes down to, do the Saints bring back Kiko Alonso? Do the Saints bring back uh, AJ Klein? I don't think they bring back both of them, nor should they, because I think you bring back both of them. I don't know uh, what you're banking on here because Klein has his... uh, limitations in terms of pass coverage. And then Kiko Alonso has his limitations in terms of staying healthy. So I think you bring back one. I think, and I, and at first I wanted Kiko back because I think Kiko might be the better game, uh, you know, the game changer. Um, I think he's more athletic, but AJ's a really good leader. AJ's communication skills are really off the charts. Um, and I think AJ actually might be cheaper. I know that sounds crazy, but I think AJ Klein might be a little bit cheaper in my opinion um, for next season. And I'm really interested to see how that happens. Um, so so I want to see what happens with AJ Klein. I, I think if the Saints can get him on a reasonably cheap deal, I think you bring him back because he's a little bit more durable than a guy like Kiko Alonso. And he's still just 28. He's got good experience. He knows Dennis Allen's defense more uh, more than uh, Kiko would for that say per se. So I think a guy like Kiko Alonso is someone you can bring back. So right now I got Demario, got Caden Ellis, Alex Anzalone, and um, Craig Robertson for special teams, of course. And you got AJ Klein, in my opinion. So that leads me to either getting a free agent, which I think the Saints are going to have to consider their options, or possibly dipping into the draft, or both. I think both are also a realistic op- option because at the end of the day, it's about adding talent, adding great linebackers. Um, we saw the San Francisco 49ers this year with good linebacking talent with Greenlaw and uh, Quan Alexander and Fred Warner. It's good to sta- stockpile on linebackers. The Saints have a great one in Davis, get two more next to him. Here are guys who I do not want to see signed with the Saints next year. My first one's Blake Martinez. Don't look at Blake Martinez's tackle numbers because you're instantly going to think to yourself, you found a star. You did not. 
Blake Martinez is an average player who is a really good tackler, but tackles does not mean that you're a good player. I think tackles for me is the equivalent of a rebound for a big man in the NBA. Kids will look around the NBA and see a guy like Andre Drummond who just got traded this week and say, oh, wow, he averages 15 rebounds a game. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Just like tackles sometimes do not matter. You can have 155 tackles, but are you making game-changing plays? Are you just making tackles because the front didn't clean up and you have to do it? Or are you making tackles because you're breaking through the line of scrimmage and you're getting around the ball at every second, every play? I think that's the question you have to ask. And I think Blake Martinez is a solid player. But I think he's a C plus. I think he's like a B player that's going to get an A type salary, and I don't think that's something the Saints should go after. Moving over to Corey Littleton, I don't know if he actually leaves LA. I think he's a heck of a talent. Um, that's a guy where the tackle numbers are high. I get it, but he does so many things. He can force fumbles. He can make picks. He can get out in coverage. Um, Saints know very well what Corey Littleton could do. There were some plays where he's matched up against Kamara. Obviously, he didn't have that much success against Kamara because he's so versatile. But he did have his moments where he shined. Littleton's a guy I like, but I do think he's going to be out of the Saints' price range. So I think we look out um, from someone like him. Joe Schobert, if he's available, I think that is someone who the Saints should consider, but I don't know his price tag either. I think his price tag might be a little high. But let me tell you why I like Joe Schobert really quick, okay? What I like more than anything are linebackers who just make game-changing plays. And... I think that's what made Luke Keekley so frustrating to watch as a Saints fan is that every time he had a chance to make a play, he would make the damn play. Joe Schobert is not going to get any attention from a casual fan or certain members of the media because he played for the Browns. The Browns stunk this past season. They didn't live up to expectations. But Joe Schobert balled out, and he's still only 26. He's coming off a year where he had four interceptions and two forced fumbles. Like, that alone to me speaks volumes about the player. And then you could throw in the 130 tackles, but I got to stick to my word. I'm not a guy who's big on the tackles. Like you need a surefire tackler, but you don't need someone that's going to get, get, you know, his best number is going to be total tackles. I don't need that. Um, but Joe Schober flies around the ball. I do also think he might fall in that category with Littleton where he is a, a little bit out of their price range. And I think that worries me just a little bit, but I do think the Saints have to, you know, take a call here and there and see what the market is uh, over there. Now, a guy who I think is unheralded, and I don't think he's going to get that much attention, and I do think if the Saints can pick him up, he might also be a decent option, but he might be a little out of their price range, is, and wait for it because it's a hell of a name, is Nick Kwiatkowski. Now, he was going in for Chicago, got a little bit more minutes than usual because Danny Trevathan went down and Roquan Smith went down. And this opened the door for this West Virginia guy who was a former fourth-round pick, and what he was able to do this year was pretty special in my opinion. So Kwiatkowski had uh, one interception, one forced fumble. I don't care about the tackles. Like I said, he had three sacks, which is impressive to me. Um, and overall, what I liked about Kwiatkowski was he was always around the quarterback. Forget about just being around the ball. He was always around the quarterback. And you can tell yourself that, well, he was around a Chicago defense, and that's why he played well. And maybe you have a point there, but I think the Saints defense is extremely talented. And up front, they may not have Khalil Mack, but they got Cam Jordan, who's pretty damn good. They got Davenport. They got Rankins. They have Malcolm Brown. The Saints got guys up front. So I think Kwiatkowski, depending on what his market value is, and I don't, I do not think it will be as good as Littleton and uh, Schobert for two reasons. One, Schobert and Littleton have been doing it longer. And two, Kwiatkowski is actually older than them. And people will look around the league and be like, man, he just took off in his fourth year. Schobert's shown us that he could be good, and Littleton's been good the last couple of years. I think his value will not be as high 
as someone like Joe Schobert or Corey Littleton. So I think those are the three guys where I am very high on them as players. I think they can make a difference, but I also understand that they might not be on the Saints just because their price tag might be high. But those are the three for me on my personal wish list in terms of get a meeting, try and get one in the building. Um, and I would totally take Kudakowski. I'd take Schobert. I don't think Littleton's leaving LA, but we'll see. Um, but those are three guys that definitely fans should look out for. And if you haven't watched them, go watch some tape on them. It's pretty entertaining. I think you'll enjoy it. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for the first half of this episode. Um, when we come out of the break, we're going to uh, have that interview with Marcus Bailey and just quickly analyze what he's all about um, as well. So that interview coming up right after this little break. And we're back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. Once again, your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure to follow on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report, R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U Report. And on Instagram at Saints underscore podcast. A little bit easier for you guys. Um, And this interview is with, like I mentioned, Marcus Bailey, Purdue linebacker, NFL draft prospect. Um, Really interesting case here because you have a guy who has shown you he can be good. The numbers back it up and the highlights show you that he's off the charts. Um, the question is, how do scouts view him coming off the injury? If he's healthy and all the boxes check out, I think you're going to see him going within the first couple of rounds. I think he's a hell of a talent. He's also a hell of a guy, um, too. So here's that interview that I was talking about with Marcus Bailey. Joining me right now is Marcus Bailey, linebacker from Purdue and also NFL draft prospect. First off, Marcus, how's the knee feeling? And what do you want to show scouts leading up to the draft besides the fact that obviously you're healthy and you're feeling good? Well, uh, first off, I just want to say thank you for having me on your show here. Um, you know, I love I love the New Orleans Saints. They obviously, Drew Brees being a Purdue graduate, um, that's a team that you know I've, I've watched quite a few times. Um, now, moving on to me and my knee, uh, my my health is uh, looking really good right now. Um, I'm, I'm down here in Phoenix, Arizona, training at Fisher Institute uh, with a physical therapist named Brett Fisher, and uh, you know he worked with some guys like. Like Miles Jack and Tyreek Matthew, and they were coming back from their knee injuries, and had great results with them. So my agent thought it'd be a good idea for me to come down here too. And um, the process is going great right now. I'm about four months out of surgery, and um, everything's going according to plan. Now, besides your normal routine that I'm sure you have, do you have to change anything up because of your knee, or uh, is it all the same in terms of prepare, preparation, workouts, all that? Yeah, well, I mean, the biggest thing is, um, you know, getting healthy. So I'm definitely not on the same program as the other combine guys because um, I'm not doing as much volume on, like, sprinting. And I'm not training for, you know, the 40 and all the all the tests because when I go to Indianapolis, I don't plan on doing any of the uh, any of the tests besides the bench press. Um, so I've just been trying to get healthy, get my knees strong, um, and get, do my return to play uh, progressions and then get my upper body really strong so I can have a good – Good debut on the bench press there, but um, I plan to maybe work out for on our pro day, uh, April second at Purdue. So, for fans that didn't get to see you play that much this year, um, what would you say their NFL teams getting? Let's say they select you, what are they getting in Marcus Bailey? Okay, yeah. So you're you're definitely getting a tough player, a very smart player, um, very instinctive player. You know, I'm, I have a very high football IQ. I feel like I've played it. 
a lot of different schemes at Purdue. We've had um, a few coaching changes throughout my career there. Um, you know, I, I started 40 games straight. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very durable. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to hustle to the ball every snap. Um, I feel like I have good versatility. Um, you know, I've played multiple positions. I, you know, I can play in the 3-4. I can play edge. I can play out in space. Uh, I'm really good at will backer, you know, uh, getting off blocks from linemen, uh, going against going against running backs. And I think something that really sets me apart, if you, if you watch my film, especially from 2018, uh, I'm, a, I'm a really good pass rusher, I feel like, especially inside, going against uh, running backs and, um, you know, an interior alignment. So I feel like those traits right there set me apart. And um, I, just, I feel like I have really good instincts in terms of getting off blocks. And, uh, you know, I'm really good at tag, the good form tackler. Now, you brought up 2018. You guys had a pretty good season there, and you had that one upset win over Ohio State that stunned the world, and um, you guys dedicated that win to Tyler Trent. Was that your favorite moment um, from your college career? What's your favorite moment from Purdue? Yeah, you got, you got, it, you got it right on the nail right there. Um, I'd say that's my, that's my favorite moment for a lot of different reasons, not just the fact that we, we upset Ohio State, uh, but like you mentioned, Tyler Trent. He was a huge, huge Purdue fan, a huge part of our family there, and um, and he, he had predicted that we were going to win, and he, you know, it was a struggle for him to even be able to get to the game. So it was amazing for for our team that we were able to complete that mission for him, fulfill his uh, wishes, and he got to see us win that game. And um, you know, I think that look, thinking back to that night, we all, all three phases of the game, we were, we were just on all hitting hitting on all cylinders. Uh, just from the, the the first snap, I, I think well, you know Ohio State didn't they didn't lead at all during the whole game. It was just um, you know we were we were ready to go. So that's that was one of my favorite favorite. That's probably my favorite moment of my college career, and then uh, probably my my best performance too. So you did have that key interception, I remember. And, and looking back at that 2018 season, you finished with over a hundred tackles, six and a half sacks. Um, you proved your grading coverage as well. You almost had, in my opinion, in terms of looking at the tape, looking at the numbers, it was one of those Luke Keekly type, Bobby Wagner type amazing years. Do you feel like some people are sleeping on you, though, heading into the draft? Where are you at in that point? Hey, man. Uh, you know, of course, I, I feel like I'm one of the top linebackers. Um, you know, you have to have that confidence, but I'm also realistic, and I, I understand uh, all the factors that have gone into it. You know, like, I got hurt in week two, so I haven't been. That has, there hasn't been a lot of recent hyper film about me, and there's concerns about my knees, so I understand it. So at this point, the only thing I can do is control what I can control, and uh, that's you know that's how I how I present myself in the interviews and how I uh, you know how I pass them you know the medical and doing doing this rehab and um, you know how I do it my pro day, and uh, you know I'm just gonna do everything I can to put myself in the best position, and uh, you know I, I know I'm talented enough when if I if I get drafted or, or, or if whatever happens, I know I can make a team. So, well, That's a great attitude to have. And, and looking at your game, I feel like there's several linebackers you could pinpoint and say you have that type of skill set in your game. Is there one that you watched and said, okay, I'm going to replicate that part? Or who's the linebacker that you sit there and you watch film constantly and say, I need to model my game after him? Yeah, it's funny. You already, you already brought him up. Uh, Luke Kuechly was someone that I had watched a lot. Because he, you know, he got drafted. I think in 2014, or he, yeah, he was. Uh, so throughout, throughout my whole high school career, I kind of watched him, and um, you know, something I really admired about his game, besides the fact that he had like a ridiculous amount of tackles, is that he seemed to always know what was going on, and uh, you could tell that 
you know, he loved the game. He was very passionate about it. And, um, you know, he would be calling out plays, making adjustments. And, you know, he was, you know, very quick, very reactive. And very good in coverage, too. He had a lot of interceptions. That's something that I think linebackers, we always get, like, stereotyped. Like, oh, linebackers can't. They don't have hands. They're not, they can't catch. But I feel like I've always been a linebacker that's uh, been more athletic in that, that aspect where, like, in high school, I played, like, receiver and running back and everything, too. So I always liked the fact that I had really good hands. And that's something he had a lot of interceptions, too. So there's a lot of things to like about Luke, Luke Heakley. That's obviously why he got the got the uh, the response that he got after he decided to retire. So, um that's someone that I've watched a lot. So you brought up Keekley and, and, you know, growing up, I watched the Saints all the time, and he would give them fits, and, and you really respect linebackers like that. And I call them the quarterback of a defense. Speaking of quarterbacks, you, you as a linebacker or any defensive player per se, would you rather face a pocket quarterback like a Tom Brady, or do you feel more comfortable facing a dual-threat guy like a Lamar Jackson? Which one do you think gives uh, more fits for a defensive player? You know, I think I think uh, a dual threat quarterback is harder just to game plan for in general because you can have the perfect coverage. You can have everyone. You know, I, I, regardless if you're in zone or a man, um, it doesn't matter because if, if that dude can get out of the pocket, you don't have good contain on the rush, and then he can just pick. He can you know make make things happen and be a playmaker. Um, but now if it's a strict a strictly pocket passer. Uh, you have a better chance of getting after them. You know, you can you can mix in a lot of multiple blitzes, and you can you can you can have a good spy there too. Like because you know he's not going to be that he's not that evasive or athletic. So I think it's just easier to game plan for someone that's more one dimensional. It's always harder to game plan for someone that that can hurt you both ways. Yeah, I figured that's where you're going to go. I see all these guys, these linebackers, these defensive ends. It's just tough to stop a guy like Lamar who's moving around a lot. Um, now you brought up Drew Brees before, obviously another Purdue guy. What was it like towards the end of this past season? He was there, I believe it was the Nebraska-Purdue game. You guys pulled off the upset there as well. Um, what was it like having a guy like him in the locker room to motivate you guys? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I was I was actually uh, in Dallas still kind of recovering from my surgery because I uh, I just got surgery October 1st. And so, But I was able to – I watched it the same way you watched it, just watching the video of it. And once I got back and was able to talk to the guys on the team and – um, they, they said, you know, Drew Brees is just known. He's notorious for having that that presence, and he's a very motivational guy. And he, he, you know, he leads by example first, but he's able to rally the guys around him. And uh, you know, he was able to. He, I think he, I think he did a really good job. Um, you know, giving a very applicable speech at the moment, and you know, I think it fired our guys up. And you know, not to say I don't know if it had any correlation with how we played, but we ended up balling out that game and then getting one of a, a big win that we needed at, at that point in the season. So, um, you know, Drew is just a great ambassador for, for Purdue, and he's, he's done so many great things and had a great, he's had a great career in the NFL. So um, definitely someone that's very inspirational to me. Last question for you, Marcus. It's kind of like a, a two-part question in a sense. One, is there a coach out there in the NFL that you're like, you know what, I can't wait to be under him, or I hope that I'm coached by him because you like his defensive scheme? And two, growing up, was there an NFL team that you watched that you were hoping you'd get drafted by, and what's your mindset on that going into April? That's uh, kind of a tough question because, I mean, in my, especially in my position now, like, I, you know, for one, I don't, I don't know every single coach off the top of my head right now. And two, I would just be, I mean, I'd be grateful for any NFL coach. Defensive coordinator is very qualified, and I know I'm going to be able to learn a lot from that person, regardless of who it is, regardless if it's, uh, you know. Yes, I yeah, I know he's, 
he's a he's a great defensive coordinator. Uh, that that would be I'd be very thankful to have an opportunity with the Saints. Um, well, I would say maybe so. My defense coordinator at Purdue was uh, Nick Holt, and I know he that he got coached under uh, he would coach with Pete Carroll, and so I know they, they with the Seahawks they run out of a lot of similar things we did at Purdue. So maybe the it'd be like an easy transition there. But like I said, I'd be I'd be happy to go anywhere and learn from any coach. Um, yeah, those are both great situations. Seattle's had a lot of success with uh, young defensive players when they select them. Like I brought up. Bobby Wagner before we've seen them with great linebackers. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for the time, Marcus. Uh, I look forward to watching you having success on Sundays and looking forward to hear your name during the draft. So I want to thank you again so much uh, for taking the time to do this interview, and I'll have everything up and running for you uh, very soon. All right, I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, best of luck to you, and best of luck to the Saints going forward. I hope, uh, hope, hope the Saints are the one calling my name, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I hope so, too. I mean, they, they can use another linebacker, Marcus, so fingers crossed it's your name coming off the board there. Yeah, I right, appreciate it. And once again, that was Marcus Bailey from Purdue, and you'll hear his name called during the NFL draft when that comes up in April. Um Again, the things that I like about him, great football IQ. You can use him in coverage. Um, great instincts, which he mentioned multiple times. And you will see if you watch on the tape, he really does have excellent instincts. And he's a big-time player. When the stakes are high, you'll see him play well. He sheds blocks extremely well. He has great lateral mobility, which I think is something that you need um, for a linebacker. They need to have good range, and he has it. Um, and I think most importantly, he's a good leader. He's a team captain, was voted a team captain. Um, and I think that shows and it speaks volumes to the type of player he is. So I think, I don't know if he's going to end up on the Saints. Would I love it? Absolutely. We need more Purdue people. We've seen what Purdue people can do, Drew Brees. Um, and I think he'd be a nice fit for this locker room, especially if they can get him in the mid rounds. But if not, um, I wish him all the best wherever he ends up. But it was a pleasure to interview him. He was a great guy and an excellent football player. Um, and I wish him all the best, not only for the combine, but also his pro day and the NFL draft and all his future endeavors in the NFL. But that's going to do it for this episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much, as always, for listening. Stay tuned for more content. I'm going to try and get another interview in uh, by next week for you guys. And if you like them, uh, stay tuned for more going to plug more ideas to the podcast i'm gonna let you guys have your say on what you guys want me to do uh for the off season just to spice it up and make it a little bit more fun uh for you guys but anyway thank you so much for listening i hope you guys are enjoying all these nfl draft interviews and stay tuned for more content when i speak to you guys next week